Hello, welcome to the Fantasy and Sci-Fi Fanatics Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Kubal, and I have with me today a very special guest, Miles Hurt. Miles, how are you doing today? Very well, thank you, Daniel. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate you coming. I was really excited to get your book a while back from you, and I cannot wait to ask you a couple of very specific questions about the writing process and things like that today. Uh, Miles, like I talked to you right before we started recording, do you want to go ahead and share with our, our audience, uh, what has your writing journey been like specifically? Yeah, sure. So um, probably fairly long and convoluted. So I'm about 45 years old now. So it's I've been writing you know, my whole life. So um, I've probably only, working backwards, I've only recently started releasing novels in the last few years. So prior to that, um, I did a lot of writing of short stories. So when I was in my 20s, I thought, you know, I want to I want to uh, write something like a novel eventually, but I, I felt like I needed to develop my skills. So my plan was basically to write short fiction so I could have a quicker turnaround on that and see if I could get something published. So that, that took a while to sort of find um, what was going to work for me, what I was interested in writing. I tried out a few different things. Um, I, I wrote a lot of um, weird fiction, I suppose you'd say, so similar to H.P. Lovecraft, that kind of stuff. Oh, cool. Um, and I wrote a lot of things that wouldn't really fall into a genre. So um, I had a bit of difficulty getting it published, but eventually I started getting my short stories published. So that was really great to sort of feel that I'd progressed to the point where, you know, my writing was good enough. And from then I started thinking, well, now I want to write a novel. And, of course, the first couple of novels that you try to write, and this is, you know, about 10 years ago now, the first couple of novels that you write are going to be terrible. So I knew that. So I basically had a few goes at that. Um, and again, the, the, the challenge is really what, what, what do I want to write and how, how do I want to write it? So um, I tried, again, things that were fairly out there. So I suppose you'd say similar to William Burroughs or something fairly experimental and um, basically couldn't put it together. Um, then I tried writing something a bit more conventional. So the first novel that I actually finished was, um, I suppose it was like a, a, a fantasy heist novel. So the main character is a thief oh, in the cool. fantasy world and um, a little bit, you know, the, the Ocean's Eleven in a fantasy setting. Oh, that's of, awesome. Sort of thing. Yeah, and it was, a re- it was really fun to write and I had a lot of fun with the characters and I occasionally open up the manuscript and go, maybe I should come back to this. Yeah. But it's about... It's about 200,000 pages, 200,000 words and a bit of a mess. Um, and it, I spent about five years on it. So it, it took a really long time to finish. And um, I, when, I, it, when I finished it, I thought, well, it's not, I don't think it's good enough. I'm not, I'm not going to try to get it published. I don't want to self-publish it. I know it's not good enough. So, but it was my first finished novel. And then again, I went, I went back to writing some short stories for a while and got a, got a couple published. It was really good. Uh, and then um, I, my partner and I started having kids. This is very, I told you it was going to be long and convoluted. Um, <laughs> and then I, because I didn't have any time, so once I got kids, you probably know yourself if you've got kids, um, you've got no time left in your life to yeah. sit there yeah. for three hours and make stuff up. So <laughs> so I, I, gave, I gave writing... Um, picture fiction to go so just writing very short things for kids and I could just do that for 10 or 15 minutes a night and it just gave me something to do so I've got a few of those sort of sitting there and um, I haven't really sort of 
did that, but that kept me going for a bit. And then um, once I started getting a bit of time back, I again came back to a novel and I thought, well, I want to write something that I enjoy writing, um, but that hopefully will find a bit of an audience. So I wrote my first book, which is called A Thousand and One Monsters Must Slay Before You Die. And it was kind of like a comedy fantasy. So I really enjoyed Terry Pratchett, um, oh, yeah. Douglas Adams, Red Dwarf, those sort of books. Yeah. And I had an idea for um, uh, that kind of thing. So, and my intention for that was to write something that was easy to write. So I basically just sat at the kitchen table and wrote it in a notebook. So I just write, just handwriting in the evening and then um, once it was all done I typed it up and it was quite short it's only about 160 pages long but it only took me less than a year to to finish it so my first novel took five years and I had all of the world building and you know the histories and the the races and the countries and all that and um you know spent all my energy on that and the second time around I went let's just keep it simple and if I need something I'll make it up and if I need to look something up I'll look it up and keep it really light and I actually got the book out and published it so that was my first experience actually publishing a full-length novel that was about that was um 2017 um and it was I, I really enjoyed writing it it was a lot of fun um I don't think it really found an audience um again this is sort of like the learning process for me is learning about um the world of self-publication and the world of Amazon and marketing and all that and uh, again, it was a real, it was a, a, I learned a lot from that and um, a lot of things, what to do and what not to do when you're putting the book out. Um, so, and then uh, on the back of that, I thought, um, I want to try something else, but again, I want to do something that I can be proud of, but that will open up that audience again. And so I thought, I'll just go with a straight fantasy this time. And that's how I started thinking about writing Red Harvest Moon, which is, it's, just a, it's sort of a classic fantasy setting that we're familiar with. So um, I've, I've spent a lot of time writing stuff that is out there and experimental and, and weird and different. And in my experience, it's harder to get that stuff published and it's harder to find an audience. So I thought, well, let's, let's try something different and um, I suppose play, play it a bit safer. Um, so I wrote Red Harvest Moon and... The, the plan there was to um, have something loosely based on the, the a kind of Hirokurosawa-style Japanese movie where you've got the wandering swordsman and he goes from village to village and there's some sort of problem and, you know, the, the swordsman comes in and kicks ass and, you know, fixes the situation. Um, but in a, in a more sort of recognisable European-style setting, so it's got a kind of a Japanese vibe um, but cool. it's a, a European setting. So, um, you know, I grew up, you know, I love Japanese cinema, love anime, all that sort of stuff. So I wanted to sort of bring the two things together uh, in my book. And so that's what I, I tried to do. And I actually started out, weirdly enough, with Red Harvest Moon was going to be like the prequel to another novel. So I'm sure, you know, that a lot of writers, to get people interested in their series, will have, a little prequel novella or something like that. So Red Harvest started out just as a sort of prequel novella oh, to the main novel. Yeah, yeah. And but the I, when I sort of fleshed out the, the plot of the main novel, I realised that that would actually be the fourth novel in the series. So I had these other two stories that needed to go in between Red Harvest Moon 
and the first novel. So um, I thought, well, I've got a lot of work to do here. So <laughs> I went back to Red Harvest Moon and thought I could probably flesh this out a little bit and make this a novel. And then I went back and wrote a prequel to that. So I've got a prequel novel on my website called Bane of Wolves, which leads directly into Red Harvest Moon. It's about 40 pages long. So that's the, the reason why when you look at Red Harvest Moon, it's a little it's a little bit on the thinner side because it started life as a novella and then I have fleshed it out into a novel. But I personally don't mind a short novel. So I think a lot of novels are, you know, a lot of fantasy novels are half a foot thick and take forever to read. So, oh, so that's yeah. that's where I'm at at the moment. And I brought that out in March and um, a lot happier with the response. So uh, um, uh, through your recommendation, Daniel, I got a few um, good reviews. I've met a few um, other YouTubers and oh, bloggers good. and so forth. And it feels like that there's a, a, a more of an audience for what I'm doing with this this work. Like people are more receptive to it. And um, I'm really enjoying reading the reviews where people are basically picking up on things that I was trying to accomplish. So, um, you know, the prose style or the, you know, what I'm doing with the action and so forth, people are sort of, you know, compliment me on that. And that's great because it's like that's what I've invested my energy into. Oh, yeah. And um, so where I'm at now is I'm about halfway through, or well, more than halfway through the, the draft of, of the next novel in the series, which I'm really hoping to have um, out very early next year. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that's, that's my writing journey thus far. It's just, it's just funny to me because I feel like you and I have so many similar things. And it's funny, too, that you say that, you know, you had like a heist uh, novel because that's actually what I, I had. In, and mine actually was supposed to be a novella. And then I thought, you know what, there's just too much here. And then I added a little mm -hmm. bit more. And then it's like I had a whole book. And then I thought, oh, if I do these things now, I fleshed out the characters. I'm like, actually be a really fun trilogy. <laughs> and I have yeah. two heists going on in the same time in it. And it's just like, it, it's been difficult, but it's been fun. So I just think that it's funny. Uh, me and Mark, uh, Timony have a lot of parallels too. So it's mm. just interesting to see, but like how you explain, first of all, I didn't realize that you had the prequel novella. Uh, I actually mm. had just saw that. I actually think I, I had it on Goodreads, uh, but I haven't taken a look at it yet. So I'm actually mm. really excited um, before I start Red Harvest Moon to actually uh, to start that novella. Um, it looked, I just, really like your covers and your blurbs. Uh, I feel like they do a really great job selling that type of novel to me. I'm a big Forgotten Realms fan. I like mm. the short, quick, you know, paperbacks. You know, I want yeah. to dive into your fantasy world and I like to know, you know, what's going on and he'll do the adventure. And I too am a huge fan of the Japanese style, you know, those mm. movies and some of those classics like Seven Samurais, one of them I think all time like best movies uh so just those types of styles the the dean kane uh uh what was his name um oh from kung fu legend continues oh, yeah. things like that you know um mm -hmm. i like when they go from village to village so that to me i was already sold on your book when i had read the blurb and you know saw you talking about it on twitter and stuff but i'm mm -hmm. just glad that you said it that way because i know a lot of people that watch so far um have talked to me about those kind of things uh, that they are, are really interested in. So yeah. I really feel like you're going to find a really good audience for Red Harvest Moon. And it might take a while to, you know, pick up some more traction, but I feel like, you know, it's definitely going to stick with an audience because like I was talking to Mark Timoney um, in our three interviews and it's like, there's not a lot out there. You know, there's a, a lot of Joe Amber Crombies and 
Mm. You know, people that are trying to be him, but there's not a lot of people to fill that gap that you're talking about. Mm. And like, that's the kind of gap, like I also am trying to fill. Uh, so I feel mm. like that's great right there. I feel like you touched on something too. So I'm actually just really curious now. Um, <laughs> I'm very interested in your first novel, first of all. Um, and that to me sounds perfect. And I know there's people that listen that will actually be like, oh, I'm going to look at that. Just the title alone, mm. I feel like was perfect. But exactly what would have been your recommendation? Like if you could go back in time, you know, and tell your past author self when you're, you know, publishing that first book, what would be your one do and one don't that you wish you could go back and tell yourself? Yeah, I think that the, the, the one do, I, I can't really think of anything that I wanted to do that I didn't do in terms of the writing. So the book itself, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with it. And I've actually got um, a few, a few I've, I've got a, a sequel in the works for that as well. And I, I oh, opened cool. that document up a few days ago and I was having a read over it and I'd kind of forgotten it. So I don't know if yeah. you've ever written something and then years later you look at it. All the time. <laughs> yeah. All the time. And I was re- rereading it and just, just chuckling. Just, I know it's sort of a bit <laughs> narcissistic to be laughing at your own book, but... I was reading it. Just you got to get joy from it. Funny. Yeah. So, um, but what I, I, I was happy, happy with the novel. Um, I'm that I'll do differently was the cover. Covers are so important. And I, know, I heard you talking yeah. with Mark Timmy about this and it's, it's a real, it's a fact of life. Um, but I, I was really happy with the novel and I, I basically said to my partner, I'm going to have to go out and pay for the cover. Yep. And it's going to cost at least a thousand dollars. Yeah. And yeah. this is, you know, and my partner didn't know anything about, um, you know, the world of online. And that's just, cheap just, too. Just put up anything; it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know, and that's that's the thing. So I know that you can you can pay as much as you like for a cover, but um, I engage. I found somebody who was a professional. I don't want to run them down because the, this person has done some really good work, but the work that um, I think it was probably my fault because I didn't have a clear vision of what I wanted on the cover and what I realize now is that designers really need to be given very clear instructions about what to do um, and I, I was expecting the cover designer to basically come up with a great idea for me and, and do an amazing cover but it didn't really work out. That'd be Felix. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, that is, if you if you've got if you know if you've got a relationship with someone and you know that they yeah. can do something like that, like say to um, Felix, is yeah, for me. He's the only one. I, yeah, he's the only yeah. one that I think says I don't want you to tell me a lot. Everybody else is like I need you to tell me. So it's interesting yeah. Yeah. to hear that. Yeah, because a lot of people aren't like him. A lot of people yeah. are like I want to know exactly what you want on this cover. Yeah, and that goes to any graphic design, whether it's a logo or website or whatever. Graphic designers don't want to be coming up with real creative ideas for you. They want to, you know, they want to make your vision a reality. Yeah. You need the vision. So, um, getting back to my book, it was the cover was a disappointment, and I I think that the failure was on my part because I couldn't really come up with an image um, to convey what I wanted. So that was. Probably the main thing that I carried through for Red Harvest Moon was I'm gonna I'm going I'm gonna get um, an artist to give me a, a work of art. So that's why I've got I engaged an Australian artist um, 
Olivia Ray, and she created this. I said, I, I, I want a guy on the front cover. He's going to have a sword. He's got a black cloak. And it's you're going to look at it straight away and go, awesome. This yeah. is a fantasy novel. It's you awesome. know what I mean? Like, there's, there's no confusion. This, this yep. is what it's going to be. And so I was really happy with that. And um, uh, so, so from now on, it's just, you know, you, you've got to get that work of art and you've got to really communicate what you want it to look like if that's what the artist requires. And then it's, it's kind of on you whether or not the cover, the cover works. So that was mistake number one from my first novel that I corrected with the second novel was get a good, get a good work of art. And, um, yeah, so, and I got, I got a, a work of art for the prequel novella as well. So, um, again, it's a bit of a commitment because that, that's a work of art for a prequel novella. It's basically just there to get people on my mailing list. So that, prequel novella doesn't make any money other than getting people into that sort of um audience building so yeah so that's that's mistake number one get a good cover (laughs) it's just so funny that you say that and i actually am real quick just going to just for the audience here uh pull up bane of wolves uh i just when i when i saw your cover for red harvest moon i i it was like off of i i just had it it was somebody that like one of our mutual acquaintances on Twitter. And I was just like, wait a minute, who is this person? Where is this book? Like, when is it out? Immediately those things went right through my mind. And like I said, I I feel that, you know, it really fits that niche. And then as soon as I clicked on the blurb, I was just like, yes, please. (laughs) And, you know, and that's what Mark and I were talking about with blood of the spear. And, you know, it's, I, you know, I feel like, again, like you said, if you don't, if you're going to be indie, in my opinion, you have to have a good cover. If not, mm. then you should just hold out for, if, or just keep writing till you know, somebody buys your book somewhere. But, and that's why I've talked to my wife about, like, uh, I have a friend who I'm really anxious for people to check out, uh, Jeremy Adams. And I share him all the time on Twitter and Instagram. Jeremy is amazing. Um, if you guys in the uh, chat, I'm put a link for this. It's called Cloudbirds, and um, I forget the author's name. Uh, it says it was his debut, but man, Jeremy did an amazing cover, and I'm like, it's my favorite cover so far, other than uh, Felix's Blood of the Spear for Mark. And I mean, you could tell, you know, like this person really, mm-hmm. you know, got your attention by using Jeremy, and you know, I feel mm-hmm. like. You know, you look at a couple of Felix's, you know, just recent ones even. And I mean, he's just amazing. And I think if you find the right person and the mm-hmm. right fit and just, I feel like guys, just go get a good, just go get a good cover. And I'm going to have yeah. Jeremy Adams do mine and I'm going to have it be really cool. And I feel like it's going to be say heist, say fantasy. Yeah. And I honestly said to Jeremy, um, I actually sent him your cover and I said, this is the feel that I want because this is the type of you know, niche in the genre that I want. So definitely, definitely think you're right on there. And I think that's another thing about indie at the moment is the the covers, look at the covers from books five years ago. Oh yeah. And straight away you'd look at it and go, that's a, that's a self-published book. But now that the covers are just getting better and better. Like if you look at Rob J Hayes, has got his monthly roundup of releases and you, you run your eye down those and just think, my goodness, there's, there's some amazing, covers here so that that barrier or that that distinction between traditional publishing and indie publishing is gone you know but the the flip side of that is the the indie published author has to stump up cash 
you know, yeah. you sort of, you, you got to roll up to the, the craps table with a, a big steak before you yeah. buy the game. So, so buy your, buy their books, guys, buy their books. I actually, <laughs> just, just so you know, like I know you sent me um, a, one of the, um, the digital copies, uh, but I actually went and bought a, a physical copy. And what oh, I like you. is that a lot of the independent bookstores near me in New York um, have actually started to carry more indie authors that I know Ooh. like yourself. So I was so excited. Uh, if anybody's in Saratoga Springs, New York near us and uh, goes, goes to uh, Northshire, they got a lot of people like Miles's book. Uh, it's minus one because I bought the paperback. Uh, but yeah, so <laughs> go there and you're actually sitting right there on the shelf. I was like, wait a minute, there's no way. And I wow. love it because then I don't have, you know, like they already got it from Amazon. And then, you know, I was like, sweet. And I was like, yep, I'm just going to buy it right now. <laughs> I was so excited. I, I like, I felt like a kid in a candy store. My wife was like, wow, that's pretty cool that you know that person on Twitter. I'm like, yep. Mm. He's like, yeah, he's coming on the podcast at some point soon. And it was a couple months ago. I was so excited. So yeah, it was really, really neat to, to actually hold your book in my hand. It was really, really yeah. cool because it was one that I had wanted uh, the physical copy of for quite a while. Mm. And just because we're talking about covers, I just really quick want to just share my screen and show people because I just really loved also uh, this cover for Bane of Wolves. So if you're like me and this is your niche for this you know, genre in fantasy, I mean, take a look at that cover. Uh, I know personally, I, as soon as we get done here, I'm going to have to go and uh, get this one and lock it in for my Goodreads. Uh, I think that's a just a fabulous cover. They both are. Uh, I really love the blurb that you're using for both of these two. Um, I guess I'm a little curious at how you write your blurbs, uh, especially mm. for Red Harvest Moon. Um, I'm looking in particular uh, at the Goodreads blurbs. Uh, I don't know if you use the same. I know some people use the same from Amazon to Goodreads. Some people change them. I just think personally yours for Red Harvest Moon was very, um, it gave you great information, but it, you know, it still left you enough to, you know, be interested in the story. Uh, but I felt it was great advertisement. So I'd love to just kind of get in your head a little bit. How did you come up with your blurbs? Um, well, I've got a formula actually. So oh, okay. I, I've read a lot of, looked at a lot of blurbs and did a bit of research and whatever. And there's just a checklist. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but there's oh, yeah. a, a list of six things that you need to put in. Um, I feel like I should make a YouTube clip about this or something. You like really that. should. Yeah, no, you really should. <laughs> I would watch it for sure. I would share it like crazy. Yeah, but it, uh, I can't remember what it is, but I've got a little, a little list of things that I have to include. And it's basically, cool. um, you know, who's, who's the character? Yep. What's his problem? Where are we? What genre is this? You know what I mean? So, and it needs to, the first sentence has to be a hook. You know what I mean? So um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll send, I'll, send, I'll send the information through to you. Oh, um, that'd be great. I'll, I'll email, email the list. But it's, yeah, I do. I've got a little formula that I've worked out that I stick to. And, um, yeah, so I, I think that some, sometimes with different like being a, being a teacher, so my day job is yeah, a teacher. Yeah. So I teach students to use templates or use formulas when they're creating some sort of piece of writing. And from that, you know, you can do whatever you want. But um, I think it's important to understand that, you know, text have a structure and a blurb is like that. So a blurb, and if you, once, once you sort of um, understand the underlying structure, you can pick up any book and go, yeah, this is, this is the, the hook, this is, this is where they're telling you this is this is the character and this is their problem, you know what I mean. So it's 
it's the same thing when when you when you've written a few stories, you watch a movie, and you you kind of go, okay, they're about to have an argument, or you know, you know, you kind oh, yeah. of know what's going to happen, or yeah, I don't know, but yeah, I'll I'll send I'll send you the list when I when I just we, think when we get off. Oh, I appreciate. It. I think just that advice alone, just that you know, it's a formula. I don't know why. I've listened to so many writing podcasts. I talked to so many authors. All we do is watch videos. I feel like my friends and I, like Mark and I were just talking about blurbs the other day. He was thinking about changing his. I was like, please don't. I thought it was really good. And I just don't know why I didn't consider that. I think that that's a very teacher-fied way of simplifying it, but still giving you the main details. And I think that's uh, I think that's just really great advice personally. So I hope everybody's watching who is writing because we got some gems so far on this podcast. So that's a, that's a really good one. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I'm really interested uh, for this last question here. Uh, Miles, I know uh, it's kind of hard because of uh, Spotify only allows you so much time. So I'd love to have you back at some point so we can talk some more about some of these different things. You definitely gave me more to think about. So I know I'll have some more questions, uh, but I'm really interested to hear at who you would recommend our uh, viewers start reading uh, who's somebody that's really stood out to you recently, or maybe just some of your, you know, your, uh, your favorites uh, over the past, you know, some years. Yeah. Uh, it's a hard question, but um, yeah. I, I think that um, in terms of from, from being the perspective of being a writer, um, I think the important thing is to read good books and it sounds like a total no brainer, but what I mean by that is read, don't just read, um, obviously go to Amazon and buy my book, but after you've done that, obviously. you want to you read um, some classics. So you want to read some Tolstoy, um, you know, Charles Dickens, uh, th- those sort of books that uh, the, the Tolstoy and Dickens are masters of um, language and on top of being great, you know, storytellers. Um, so I, I think that if you're a writer, what you want to do as much as possible is read really good, really well-written book, be it fantasy, science fiction, whatever, and then just, you know, marinate yourself in that. And then the, the, the idea is that, that when you write, you've, you've had that influence. So a science fiction writer that I think fits that category would be um, Liam Gibson. I think he's writing okay. his, his superlative. Um, I know Raoul Reeds would disagree with me on that one, but um, <laughs> um, he's he's an absolutely brilliant writer. Another a fantasy author that I think not a lot of people know about um, that is a beautiful writer is Mervyn Peake, who wrote the Gormenghast trilogy. Okay, and the right the right I love I love really well written prose. Gotcha. The writing okay. in that is just sublime. Obviously, Tolkien is essential. Um, the, a, a book that's fairly new that I just plucked off the shelf is The Lush and Seething Hell. Do you know this one? I actually just added that to uh, Goodreads. I think it was literally mm. three days ago, actually. Yeah. So this is this is horror. So I, you know, I don't read a lot of horror, but um, this caught my eye because, again, the, the writing is just sublime. So um, John Horner Jacobs it writes beautifully. So if you really, if you like um, well-written material, that'd be my pick for something more recent. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so so there's, there's a lot there. I'm currently reading 
this is a little bit older, but it's interesting. So I'm reading The Court of the Air at the moment, oh, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. steampunk. And again, it's a, it's a thick one, but um, I've, I've, um, I mentioned this because um, Stephen Hunt began as a traditionally published writer, oh, okay. quite successful, and then made the switch to indie. So he... I did he, not know um, that, yeah. Yeah. So he um, self-published a novella and it was successful. And on the, on the back of that, he went, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to go in from now on. So wow. I thought that was really interesting. So and yeah. kind of validating as well that it's like, um, you don't need to, you, you know, it's not like a sort of have this, this guy has been there and done it. He's had oh, yeah. the successful series in the, in the um, traditional world and went, you know what? I'm going to go indie. So I, I just thought I'd mention that and, bring your attention it's pretty cool yeah that's really cool yeah i didn't know that i i had known that you know he was indie i did not know yet that he was traditional so that's actually yeah that's really cool we've had, had a few people actually where in the past few episodes that will come in the future like yours um because we're a little bit further out now which is nice got to talk to a lot of people and stuff but yeah we've had quite a few where i'm like wow i didn't know that person you know had been traditionally published and then was indie. We always hear about indie mm -hmm. wear, you know, and things like that, where you're indie and then traditionally published. But yeah, I don't think a lot of people know that it actually goes the other way too. So I yeah. think it is really nice to point out to people, you know, because this is, you know, in my opinion, it's a really good market. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you just keep writing and, you know, keep trying new things and, you know, keep listening to people, which is why I tell people to, you know, listen to different podcasts and things, um, you know, try and uh, talk to different people and find something new. But yeah, that's, it's really good, I think. Um, if anybody, again, hasn't checked out uh, some of my friends on Twitter uh, with Wizards, Warriors, and Words, please check out their podcast. Uh, the guys say, they like, those guys like to say that they don't know anything, but they have such great writing advice, and it's just fun to hear that they have the same problems that we all have. Uh, so just make mm -hmm. sure you guys check that out. Uh, Miles, I really appreciate you coming. Uh, I know it's kind of, uh, you know, you're on holiday and everything, so I really appreciate, you know, you giving us your time and I again I'd love to have you back again uh we'll have a couple of you know questions already for you forming in my mind so I'd love to go through another interview with you um is there anything other than Red Harvest Moon or anything else that you want to promote or any other news you want to let us know right off the bat uh, not really I'm sort of because I'm in the thick of writing book two at the moment yeah, um, yeah. you can you can go to mileshurt.com and have a look at um, some some blogs that I've been, uh, oh, cool. some reviews and blog posts and so forth. But mileshurt.com is where you want to go if you want to get Bane of Wolves. It's free. It's a forty-page novella that leads directly into Red Harvest Moon. So that's probably a good place to start. Oh, cool. I will be putting that in uh, that link in uh, the description notes. If there's any other links you want people to go to, uh, just let me know, and I will put those in there as well. Uh, I know I'm going there right after we get done. <laughs> I was really excited to see that uh, you had a prequel novella there. So, all right. So let me just real quick, uh, we'll go ahead and sign off with you guys. Uh, I really want to appreciate you again, Miles, for coming. Thank you so much uh, to our audience. Please make sure you go to Miles' website. It will be in the description. Please, please, please go and buy his book, Red Harvest Moon. Download it. Do whatever you got to do to get it. We would really love to see more people you know, in this genre, we've talked about it so many times before with Mark Timoney and some of these other fantasy authors, we'd love to see this part of the sector grow again, uh, this part of the genre, just like that Forgotten Realms, you guys all love those Dragonlance, you know, those different styles 
of fantasy. We'd love to see more of them in the market. I know I would. That's why I write in that type of uh, little spot here in this fantasy market. So please, please, please check out Miles' website. Go grab his book. If you guys have any questions for me or Miles, please just let me know. The email is going to be scholarsofuma. That's U-M-A at gmail.com. You can find this podcast and future podcasts uh, on our Spotify account. We just got the logo actually uh, earlier today, so it's awesome. Uh, so I really can't wait to put that up on Twitter, and uh, we'll finally get that Spotify account ready to go actually tomorrow, and we'll upload our past podcast. By the time you listen to this, Miles will already be up up there on Spotify. And I think that's about it. If anybody has anything else they want to share with me, any fantasy uh, related news, uh, any pictures, videos, things like that, you know where to reach me through the Facebook, uh, our other like pages, Instagram and Twitter. Miles, thanks again so much. I hope you have a great rest of your holiday and I look forward to speaking to you on Twitter, my friend. Great. Thanks, Daniel. And thanks for having him on. It was a lot of fun. Anytime, anytime. And you're welcome back anytime, my friend. Have a good rest of the day and I will talk to you later, Miles. Thanks. Bye.